Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Anthony, and this is Bottom Bracket Biking Podcast. A couple's guide to biking. Welcome to episode 27. It is almost exactly one year since we've started this podcast. It is going to come out on May 17th, and our very first episode last year came out on May 18th, which, and this was not planned, is actually our anniversary. So, obviously, we just do a lot of bike things together. Yeah, it's the only thing we have to talk about anymore. (laughs) We are very excited that we have made it a year. Thanks for sticking with us for that long. We have an awesome interview today with Rocky Vest, who is one of the founders of Break the Cycle 200. That event is a event to raise awareness for human trafficking in Iowa and other places. They have like six events. I had expected this episode to go as they raise event or they raise money, they give money to this charity and we're good. Uh, it didn't exactly go that way. We talk a lot about the problems of, of human trafficking uh, in Iowa and around the United States. It was a fascinating interview. I am very glad it went the way it did. It's a very interesting social issue that I personally, I don't hear hardly anything about. And Iowa is a hotbed for it. Yeah, it is. We really enjoy doing the interview. We think all of you are going to enjoy listening to it as much as we did. And it is absolutely something that should be addressed if possible. So this is an event. It's not something we typically talk about. It is a road ride, but it's something that we wanted to show our support for and help get the word out. Yeah. And I was very impressed with how how much they actually do for the cause. Before we get into that, here are some other events to be looking for. Yes. So we'll do our weekly event read-off. I will go first here with the Ride of Silence in Des Moines. It's a five-mile slow paced ride in honor of those who have been injured or killed while cycling on America's public roadways. If you want more information, I would suggest looking it up on Bike Iowa. There are multiple locations around Iowa that are doing it, and we think it's a good cause. So we'll bring it up here and, you know, spread the word. The next event is the Quad Cities Crusher, which is a 100k gravel ride up in what I assume is the Quad Cities. <laughs> uh, Scott County Park, Hickory Hills, Shelter, Eldridge, Iowa. If you are into gravel riding and that is in your area or you want to make a bit of a drive, look that one up. The next one that we have is the Sterile Iowan in Alden, Iowa. This is Friday, June 4th through Sunday, June 6th. It is a gravel event. You've got a whole bunch of different options if you're interested in this. You have 43, 62, 100, 200, 300, or 400 miles. And there are different things going on each day, although Sunday is just finishing up the things that happened or started the day before. If you're interested in hearing more about that, check it out on Bike Iowa. And finally, we have Fire Trucker Dan's Memorial Ride Day 1. I didn't see it was a multiple day thing. There is a second event. I think it's the next Saturday. Okay. Well, Fire Trucker is a brewery up in Ankeny, and Dan and Fire Trucker supported mountain biking massively uh, before his passing. And so it's an event that I really wanted to raise awareness of as well. And the last event we have is something that I am very excited for. We have the official return of the CETA, so Central Iowa Trail Association, Monday Night No Drop Ride. 
This is going to be starting on June 7th, and then it will be held every Monday after that. The first ride is going to be at Center Trails, where the ride has traditionally been. And then moving forward, it will be at Center the first and third Mondays of every month. It will be at Ewing Park in Des Moines the second Monday and Sycamore the fourth Monday. So check it out. You'll probably see us there. All right. Is that all the events we have? That is all the events. Let's go on to what might sound like a bummer of an episode, but it was fascinating. Trust me. Remember, this is talking about human trafficking, but I think it's important to get out there. I think it was very meaningful. I think the conversation needs to be spread. Yeah, very much. Please enjoy. And welcome to the interview section of our podcast. Today we have Rocky Vest with us. He is the race director, I believe, right? For the Break the Cycle 200. It's a road ride. You ride 200 yeah. miles for... Uh... Well, let's let him talk about that. Yeah, right? We'll let you get into it. The reason's kind of interesting. Do you consider yourself a race director? Uh, yeah, so uh, technically it's not a race, it's a ride. We use our combined strength to accomplish a goal to to have everyone ride 200 miles together. And so, yeah, I'm also one of the founders. A friend and I uh, founded Break the Cycle 200, and we use one-day 200-mile bike rides to raise awareness of funds that help end human trafficking. That is a very admirable goal. Yeah. How did you decide on uh, doing a ride for to end human trafficking? Yeah, well, you know, like most things, it didn't start that way. It really just started with my buddy Andy and I sitting on this back porch. Uh, We just started having kids back in early 30s, and we realized we weren't doing much anymore. Uh, Both of us were kind of former um, high school athletes, and I dabbled a little bit in collegiate D3 athletics. (laughs) But, you know, you still kind of had that drive to do something, and uh, we noticed we were getting a bit of that dad bod. Uh, and so, <laughs> and we've been off our bikes for more than a year. So, uh, we, we recognized the need there and, uh, set some goals. And the initial goal was to ride 100 miles and then 100 miles. And, uh, we had a couple of lake cabins that were about those distances away. And we figured we, if we had a big enough goal, it would kind of get our, our, our butts out of bed in the morning. And, uh, we'd have each other to hold it, you know, be there to, for support and accountability. And so it kind of started it as one of those almost like a double dog dare or like, you know, say I won't kind of moment. <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah. And I think and, I read that was what, 2011? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We call that year zero uh, because it really was just about trying to do something that uh, we'd never done before. But then Andy's, you know, he's an engineer, started kind of working it all out and said, nah, we're going to get the paint over with in one day, 200 miles, one day, let's go. And I said, nope. <laughs> No, you're crazy. There's no way. Uh, then I found myself riding 200 miles about four months later, and we did it all one day. And we got two other people to join us, and we had a SAG vehicle, and we were pulling over on the side of the road, and every cases we could find, and there was no rhythm or like we just we just went after it. We kind of figured out drafting in the process. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, so you but, weren't coming from a professional road riding background. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> not, not even close went from couch to 200 and, oh my uh, goodness we, we learned a lot we learned a lot uh but then I, I guess we like needed so much help people decided to jump on board with us <laughs> for the years to come they're like these guys need help and so uh that's kind of how we started growing but also like as we started training for the 200 and 
we met some friends who do some really extreme things to help others out around the world. And uh, they're called venture. And so uh, they said, Hey, you know, you could use that 200 miles and uh, you know, we're not a quote Christian organization, but we are Christians. And so, yeah, I believe it's glorifying to God to love others in a sacrificial way. And there's probably, there's not many more sacrificial ways in their life like to demonstrate that the 200 miles in one day, it hurts every time. Right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that just really appealed to, uh, to us. I, yeah, we could use this for good. Um, and then we learned about human trafficking and that really set us on our course. So we had this, this ride planned. We did the ride and we knew that we weren't going to do it again, unless it was for a cause that was bigger than ourselves. And we'd learned about trafficking. We had an outlet to help, uh, uh our friends at venture, um, showed us how to do this. And so, Basically, that's how we got started. Then we had the official year one of trying to raise funds. And, man, uh, we were excited just to get $3,500. I was going to say, location-wise, this was in Iowa, correct? That's where you're located? Yep. So I live in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, Andy does as well. And so our route went from Des Moines all the way up to Okoboji, uh, Lake Okoboji. So if you're from the Midwest, that's it's uh, central – Iowa all the way up basically to, to, to the Minnesota border. Yeah. And Okaboji is like in the middle of nowhere. It's a really cool town, <laughs> but getting there, it's not like along the interstate or anything. Mm-hmm. It's a long drive just to drive it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. riding it is, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous to ride it. No doubt. But yeah, that actually just thinking about how you'd have to get there, that actually would be pretty good for a bike ride because it's a lot of kind of those back, you know, County highways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to this in a minute, I'm sure. But, you know, we've, we've grown since our first ride, um, not only in size of, you know, cyclists and participation, but also the amount of funds raised. But, you know, we're 10 years old now. And we've raised, uh, we'll crest the million dollar mark, I think, within the next, uh, probably within the next month or so. Dang. And, you know, <laughs> we started from nothing, uh, quite honestly. And, you know, and now we're raising uh, roughly, you know, one hundred fifty to $200,000 a year and just a bunch of volunteers, uh, people with uh, broken hearts and, and willing legs. And uh, the word keeps spreading and a bunch of other crazy people keep joining us to do these 200-mile bike rides. So it, how long was it just in Iowa? Because it looks like you've got multiple locations now. <laughs> yeah. So just in Iowa, we were the, we've been here um, – I think we went a good six, maybe seven years before we started uh, expanding. So that, I think that's about right. So, uh, yeah, within the last three years, this will be the fourth year now uh, that we've had the Minneapolis and a Nashville event. Uh, but this year we've really blown up. Uh, we've joined uh, a na- an international anti-trafficking organization called Hope for Justice. And so what we found along the way, just to kind of explain how that was beneficial to help help in uh, modern slavery. Um, and I'm focusing on the end and I can circle back to that in a little bit too. Um, but the reason why that was beneficial is that we went from being kind of this, this band of uh, very small, but potent uh, awareness makers and fundraisers to jumping on board with, with an organization that has programs all across the world. And by programs, I mean, uh, we hire private investigators that are former military or law enforcement. And this model uh, has been used uh, to break up gangs and they start uh, Hope for Justice is international. So most of their data uh, comes from overseas, right? So where they started in England, they broke up the largest gang in England uh, out of London 
and just basically decimated uh, the ability to uh, be traffickers where they were. But then they kept kind of moving out. And, uh, you know, we have 32 different what we call hubs across the world now. Uh, and those hubs, uh, not all of them have the same pieces, if you will, but they all definitely have investigators. And then others have uh, restoration homes. We call those lighthouses. And uh, there's a multifaceted dynamic approach to, con- to combat a multifaceted dynamic problem. <clears throat> and so we approach fighting human trafficking with prevention. And a lot of that is through awareness and training, corporate trainings, that kind of thing. Uh, then the rescue piece, which we just talked about, private investigators who work alongside law enforcement. And then the restoration piece of safe homes. And then finally, um, if you want societal reform, you really have to change the laws. Uh, the laws oftentimes in our country and other countries are anemic or weak, and they really uh, give a lot of like leniency, if you will, uh, that allows this problem to continue to happen. I emphasized earlier on ending modern slavery or human trafficking. Uh, I used both of those terms because uh, human trafficking is – defined as using force, fraud, or coercion to obtain a service or good or sexual act um, to be exploited. And so uh, that takes on many forms throughout the world, which many people are familiar with sex trafficking. You think of that probably first and foremost, Uh, but there are millions of people who are being abused through labor trafficking and then also through through child soldiering and organ harvesting. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I hadn't thought of those. Yeah. Yeah. So the more more we, you know, if you go back to our start, the more we kind of scratched the surface of this problem, the worse and, and gross that it got and things that really uh, just shook our world. We learned that, you know, girls that get trapped and who are vulnerable and get brought into this this commercial sex trade, you know, the average starting age is 12 to 14 years old. And so I, I saw that you had some, uh, it said there were safe houses in like Des Moines. Like this is the problem, even in our backyard, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So uh, I've kind of taken you through our journey and even in the same order. So we went international first and then found out this happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's also why that model that hope for justice has employed internationally is you know really appealing uh, for us here. And so we're bringing private investigators to Iowa because uh, Iowa is, one of the top five exchange points in all the United States. Wow. So the interstates. I mean, I would, I would assume the two interstates. Yep. yep. Now it's like in the mid twenties, as far as actual occurrences of trafficking, as far as what we can track, but even that's kind of laughable in my opinion, uh, because it's not like the people who've been trafficked uh, and all the shame and brainwashing and, um, just issues that come along with having been abused in this way. It's not like you're raising your hand. And also there's a real threat of life and abuse and torture, quite honestly. Um, if you if you speak up, if so, if you go to court and testify all you've done in their opinion, and these are people I've actually spoken to that have been trafficked, uh, they'll tell you that no way am I talking. I'm just going to lay low and escape. And so the numbers that we find and say the rankings, uh, they're all speculative. They're not all speculative, but they're all just barely scratching the surface of what's really happening. But, yeah, that's happening right here in Iowa. Uh, I, I've met several uh, young women who've been trafficked right here in Iowa. Um, you know, one, one quick story um, and what really is just kind of fuels your fire is that, yeah, we actually have helped 
um, formally through you know, another agency's program, um, an 11 year old that was recovered by the FBI. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was what kind of one of my, my questions coming into this was sure you raise money for, for this cause, but more than that, you've seen the direct impact of, uh, of, of what you've raised. Right. Right. So what we weren't satisfied with merely talking about it. And quite honestly, it, that's really good. That's really, you, we need to know this needs to be known. Um, and awareness needs to be out there and this voice needs to be heard and, and gangs really hate it. Uh, the, the more scrutiny that they come under, whether it's by podcasts like this or getting on the news or even laws that are passed that, that really does disrupt uh, their business, if you will. Uh, so we were good at doing that kind of rattling, rattling the, the drum, so to speak, and making a bunch of noise uh, about this. And we were good at raising funds, but it wasn't enough to do that. We wanted to see this problem come to its fruition. We wanted to see our work come to fruition. We wanted to see results. We wanted to see, uh, like I stressed earlier, this end that I keep talking about. Um, and the reason why I'm stressing that, if you don't mind me kind of you know, digging a little deeper there, is what I found, I started interviewing police officers and lawmakers, and uh, I was really dissatisfied. And even, even many times in nonprofits, I was dissatisfied with the answers that I heard. Um, a lot of people just almost approach this as if it's something that just exists and all we can do is kind of like push it back a little bit. And knowing what I know and keeping that 11 year old in my mind. And that's at the time that wasn't too far off from my niece's age. I said, nah, if that's my kid, that's your kid. You wouldn't think this way. And so we need to do things to end this. So we started analyzing what is it that would actually end this? Because our board for Break the Cycle 200 were a bunch of business people and, uh, you know, entrepreneurial and uh, we're all problem solvers. And so we weren't satisfied with just like, doing the things we were doing, wanted to end this. And so uh, the things I would identify, the weakest point, I believe, is in the money. Um, and the money is driven by the buyer, right? And so um, if we can stress hard and go hard and create laws and enable um, law enforcement, even hire private investigators and, and pull out all the stops to go after the buyer, um, I believe that you can start crumbling this model and then go hard after uh, restoring uh, survivors who've been victimized and making them strong minded and willed and, and healed up and, and providing uh, safe places for them. You take away the quote product and you yeah. take away the money and the business model crumbles. I, I'm really glad I got the opportunity to talk to you because you can see these race events. And when you talk to the people who are actually putting it on and you see where it's going and, and the, kind of the passion behind it, I think that's really inspiring for people to be like, oh, oh my, this is more than just dumping money on this problem. It's it's effort and time and there's results coming out of it. So yep. for a race, heck yeah, I should sign up because <laughs> yeah. th- there are results there. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest questions that I had coming in was like, okay, so we're raising money, but what does that mean? Yep. And what you went through is like, okay, like I can see all of that, like that is something where you can track, is this actually working? Is the private yeah. investigator actually finding something like having, you know, the halfway house there, you can, there are people there that are being helped. Like it is, it's really inspiring seeing those concrete things that you can point to of like, yes, something actually is being done. Yeah. Well, thank you for, thank you for recognizing that. And that was exactly where we wanted to, 
the kind of organization that we wanted to be and the kind of organization that we wanted to join with were the kind of people who were tired of, and not all nonprofits are this way, but there's a great deal of nonprofits where the money gets absorbed into the nonprofit itself, and then it becomes about propagating itself. And so our model uh, really was to run as much zero cost as possible uh, and really only putting money to the events, which then are very effective at raising funds and all the funds going towards the problem. The money's not what going is, into many people. Right, anyone's pocket, right, probably. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. But now, I mean, yes, now actually we've grown and, and I need to do this full time because we have events happening in Denver and Chicago, and we just finished one in Dallas last weekend. So just two days ago, I rode my bike 200 miles one day with a bunch of people, uh, most of which I've never met. And by the time we finished, um, people, you just weren't a lot, but you really feel like you've made new family members, like people that just you've suffered with throughout this day for this common cause. Well, that was um, going to be one of my questions that actually yeah. leads into it is the events on there. You have like eight events in six different states. Yeah. how like how do you <laughs> do you do you run are you there personally or are you delegating that to people who are putting it on there and it sounds like you're you're the one doing it or you're um, yeah so I'm, I'm kind of the visionary and it's hard for me to ask people to do something that i'm not willing to do myself now i know this isn't a model for scale and we are getting more scalable but we're going to do the unscalable things and the really hard work um, because it really matters. And I know that when the person from the organization who's been casting the vision shows up and they show that, yes, this is hard, but I've been putting in the hard work also to be able to complete 200 miles and to lead you there. Um, it, it, it takes, it takes our, our, our authenticity. Um, these, it just sets the standard for how serious we are about the problem as well. I think. Yeah. That was kind of going to be yeah. the question is, are do you, did you franchise the name so that everybody could set up their own little thing? Or are you actually going there? It sounds like it's the latter where it's something you care about enough to show people like, Hey, I'm the dude. This is the thing. Let's go kick some trafficking butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it right now in the field general. And eventually I'll be uh, more behind the desk. Uh, I'll always be doing some of the 200s, but as we get them started, yeah, I definitely want to be in there. And there's so much culture uh, or our DNA, if you will, that we bring to an event whenever I, I'm there personally. You can only do so much the recordings and, and, and media materials. Uh, and, and maybe I'll be kind of forced to have to do stuff like that and, uh, and, and raise up other maybe students, if you will, or disciples of what we're doing and have ambassadors, that kind of model. But yeah, right now you're right. It's the latter. And we changed our name. You're right, to fit the ability to be in multiple states and even now multiple countries. What's not on our website is that we have a, an event in the UK coming up on September 11th. Oh, um, wow. Yep. And uh, uh, Oslo, Norway, it's in August. And then uh, in, I think, the end of February, beginning of March, we're going to do Sydney, Australia. That is insane. I was going to ask if you're going to continue expanding just thinking U.S., but looks like you're thinking even bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we're going to keep expanding in the U.S. We're going to take care of things at home. But as we're able, and especially since we've joined an international anti-trafficking organization through Hope for Justice, we're going to use those contacts. And we have rides planned for the U.K. on September 11th. And then I think in August, we're going to do an Oslo-Norway event. And then uh, next spring, early in March, we're looking at uh, Sydney, Australia. Dang. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> so how long does it take to do a 200 mile ride on, on the road? You know, that first year, did it take you a lot longer than two weeks ago or a few days ago? Yeah, it definitely takes longer in any city. I think that we start off with the first one. It just takes longer. Um, we have a system and we try to hit the, I weigh about 185 pounds. So the uh, 160 to 180 mark, 185 for average. And that gets you about 18 to 20 miles an hour in the flats. Um, and we've had a few events as we progress that average 21 miles an hour over 200 miles. Jeez. Yeah, oh, I know. That, that, it was fast and we had a tailwind. So don't be too impressed. But <laughs> Uh, but I got to tell you, last year in Nashville, we averaged over 20 miles an hour and we had no tailwind and over 10,000 feet of climb. And so, <laughs> and just six people doing it. So we all really pulled, pulled quite, quite heartily. So it looks uh, like, you know, the idea is that you all ride together. So yeah. You start together, yeah. you end together. Is there ever like, do you have requirements for people to sign up just to make sure that, you know, Hey, you need to be able to pull 16 miles an hour average for this long. So you know that you can do the ride in a day. Right. Right. So we stress that on our website and our sign up process. We make sure people know this, this isn't easy, but you can train for it. Um, and we also designed the event where we have uh, you know, the, those those studs out there, those people that can just do this stuff all day. Uh, we get those we get those horses that we as so so to speak uh, to do a majority of the pulling, so that we can bring folks even like me as I started uh, from couch to two hundred. Uh, so yeah, you can you can train up for this event, and then also we have it very metered. So not only do we use power meters on the flats, but also in the hills. We're trying to make sure we don't go over that 250 uh, watts mark, and it's easy, easy to do that. But over 200 miles, it pays massive dividends and benefits to stay within those ranges. And you end up averaging some pretty decent speeds over, over that mark. And then our stops are just 10 minutes. I mean, boom, we're in and out. We are militant about it, and we have an amazing support and SAG team. By the, when you get there, there's a buffet of food laid out and a nice place to go to the restroom. And then you're just in and out back on your bike and back at it. So the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the time is anywhere between, you know, 11 and a half to 10 hours uh, at our best. And then over that's bike time overall, it's, you know, 12 to then, you know, 13 to 14 hour day uh, Mm. with stops. For those who are considering doing the event, what's kind of your guideline for, for, I guess, wattage or maybe uh, a weighted average power? Yeah, uh, I'll have to go back and look at my weighted average power. So I just did the Dallas event, and uh, I pulled easily over 100 miles of that event. Uh, and we had 6,000 feet of climb, and my average wattage on Strava was 143 because I, I utilized – I was smart, you know, in the way that I rested. But my weighted average was was 173 for the day. Yep. So – those are some numbers. I say that those are pretty good numbers. But when I was looking down, oftentimes I was pulling 250 uh, around that range if I was in the front. Some of these people behind me were in that 180 range close. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then one thing that I think is really cool, just because I personally am not going to be doing 200 miles immediately, is is the so the break the cycle 200 challenge with the the different <laughs> mileage options is that a relatively new option 
Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we've talked a lot about 200 miles, and we know, yeah, you guys are great. You can do that. But the problem with that is <laughs> not everybody can do it, right? Uh, and, and there's some friends of ours that really are, are, are looking for a way to get involved in a way that would be their tough thing. And so we kind of borrowed this phrase from venture, uh, the people who help us get started. And uh, we say we do tough things for people in tough places. So the challenge that you mentioned is happening on June 26th, and we're offering a 100, a 50, and a 25-mile option so that you can do your tough thing for people in tough places. My tough thing? Yeah, 200 miles. And then now this year, I'm adding on top of it another 100 the next day. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. Uh, But also... I think the more that we do this kind of thing, the more people turn their heads and the more awareness we can raise and funds and then go right at the problem. In, in my situation, I would love to do like a 50 mile ride yeah. uh, on, on my mountain bike, <laughs> you know, a five hours in the woods ride. That would sure. be a challenge. A hundred would be probably a little much. Well, I was just thinking, you know, 25 miles, you can, especially if you're on paved trails, you can get, kids doing that you can get yeah. you know the next generation coming in to help people who honestly might be their peers oh, that's you're, you're totally on you're totally like singing our song so to speak <laughs> we're, we're, yeah we're, we're we're on the same page with that and that's exactly our intention with the challenge you know we really want hundreds of people to come out and to have a have a do something that's you know a little bit tough right but also have a lot of fun. So we're going to have a huge party afterwards as well, the live band, uh, vendors, both from the cycling world and also food vendors. Uh, you know, we'll be gathering in a the park. There'll be tailgate games, you know, uh, like bags and, and can jam and you name it, right? We're just going to have a, have, a, have a blast celebrating the work that we've done. But yeah, it'll be like a ragbri warm-up basically with a purpose. <laughs> that sounds so cool. Just getting that kind of community behind the cause. Well, that, that's our goal, right? We want to use our the things that we have and our strength for those who don't have it. And so the more we can get involved, the more we can work towards that end, again, ending modern slavery, as opposed to just being satisfied with, again, pushing it back or making sure that, you know, this problem doesn't creep into um, the, 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 quote, nice part of town, right? Uh, it, it's you know, I didn't talk about this earlier, but majority of people trafficked are those who are vulnerable and those who are vulnerable are often uh, poor. They're poor with affluence and influence, homeless teens, uh, and then also teens from broken homes, runaways. So within the first 24 hours, you're likely to, you're, you, one in every three teen is approached by a trafficker within the first 24 hours of running away. And Iowa, it's more like the first 48. In the 24, holy cow. And that's something, I mean, all, all of this is stuff that I hadn't really considered. I've, I've heard, oh, there's human trafficking in Iowa. And it's like, okay, like, what am I going to do about it? And so this, at, you know, at very least is a first step for what you can do about it is talk to somebody who knows more mm-hmm. or even knows, you know, what it looks like here. Yeah. You know, something that I would really like to uh, ask people to consider a way that we can drive awareness is through your civic clubs, your churches, your businesses. Um, we have the best trainers in the world through Hope for Justice. Uh, as an example, in the medical industry, uh, we now are, are training the U.S. Department of State. 
So all the U.S. embassies in the world are receiving our training. Uh, their medical staff are being trained on signs and symptoms of trafficking and what to do about it. And so we're also bringing that model to hospital systems, but we've also trained banks. Um, there are just about any industry from grocery to utilities. Uh, I have a meeting with a large utility company uh, this next week to talk about how we could potentially train their meter readers to spot the signs and to call it into our investigators, that kind of thing. Um, so the point is a way to get involved, awareness. Awareness yeah. drives action and action drives change. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to only ride your bike. But yeah, please do because, you know, those funds don't go uh, ill-used. You know, they don't go to waste. We pinch every penny. We make everything as efficient as possible. And th- that's kind of what I like to hear, you know, talking to someone. And th- it sounds like that's really what you do. You make sure that uh, there's there's actual change with that change. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to say it. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, our model is to raise corporate funds. Ultimately, those corporate funds offset costs even of the events. And uh, because of our efficiency, then any overlap goes straight into fighting the problem. Yeah. So I have, you, you've been doing this 200 mile ride now for almost 10 years. This would be uh, what, your 10 year anniversary. This, this is the 10 year anniversary. And if you include year zero, uh, there's, a, there's 11. And I've completed, as of last, this past weekend, I've completed now 15 different 200 mile bike rides. Jeez. Oh my goodness. I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> that means you probably train all through the year. Then you don't have an off season very much. Well, it's funny that you say that. Uh, <laughs> this is actually my first year to train in the off season. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I I just am hard headed and and know that I know what it need know what it takes to do this, and it makes it a lot easier when you train in the off season. I guarantee you that now that I've done it, but. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have a, a gift of, of being able to go through a lot of pain. Yeah, having, having done this for 10 years, do you have any kind of interesting stories or bizarre stories? You know, just things that have happened to you that you would like to tell people about? Yeah, well, there's a few. Um, so one is like cycling related. One year we had a 37 and a half mile an hour wind sustained out of the north by northwest. And that would so be a headwind, right? That so from Des Moines to Okaboji, you're going north by northwest the entire day. <laughs> and so we were like mile 98 or about about midpoint. And I didn't have a, a power meter back then. All I know is that I was giving everything I had to get to 16 and a half, maybe 17 miles an hour, you know, pushing against that way. And we were our trailer got out in front of us and we had, if you were in the back, you were getting whipped. Like, like I almost felt like a hurricane was going to blow you over. It was the worst. It, we were miserable. And there was this guy named Pete who was trying to get a drink of water and put some on his head. And we even have video of this and the water as he's squirting on, on his head, it wouldn't even reach the two inches from the water bottle to his head. It would just go to the side, spray people next to him. <laughs> <laughs> But because we were so tightly packed and kind of like squeezing for some of that draft on the trailer, he missed his water bottle, fell over his handlebars and took out half the pedal time, which is all like, you know, five of us at that point. (laughs) (laughs) We had a guy like I think he fractured his wrist. Uh, Definitely some bikes went down. I mean, it was just like. Well, you see the video, you see him drinking and trying to throw the water. Okay, I can't get it in my head. Okay, well, I'm just going to try to put this in. And 
you see bottle try one, bottle try two, and then uh, somewhere in between there, he just whoop, falls over. Oh my goodness. Bad. Yeah. Well, I imagine that was a couple hours in when you were kind of tired of the headwind too. Well, it was, we were tired of it as soon as we got into it. Like it was, it was, it was never easy. That was the hardest. And so we actually turned around. And the beautiful thing about that story was uh, we, we really felt defeated because uh, we didn't go to Okaboji, but we were coming home, but we still rode the 200 miles because we went to the 100 mile marker turn around. As we came home to go to our cars with our heads hanging low, I was like, man, there's a bunch of people here. I don't want to see anybody. And who's, who's in our parking lot? You know, just this total sour attitude. And then I saw balloons and signs and I'm telling you, we just cracked up. We were just, this crying, you know, a bunch of babies because people noticed what we were doing and came out to celebrate the day for us. What? Uh, they were there for you. They, they were there awesome. for us. We thought somebody else was having a party or something. <laughs> and, then, and we were going to have to be around these happy people after we had just faced this just total decimating day. Like, we just uh, totally defeated. Yeah. And then it was our wives and friends and community. And we're like, oh. oh that, that mental whiplash was probably so, like, bizarre it was and i was like who are these guys I <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and then, uh the other thing i keep going back to and this is kind of you know the the heartbreaker is uh we got on the news one year oh several years but this year in particular we got on the news and um there were some gals who'd been trafficked who saw us on the news and said we've got to go support those guys and so we got contacted and then some young ladies teenagers came out to do one of our support stops and we were being served this fresh frozen fruit, the tastiest treat I'd had. Quite honestly, they nailed it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then I was overwhelmed and, and just asking, you know, well, why are you out serving us? Like we're supposed to be serving you. And then this 14 year old girl, just beautiful, innocent, lovely little lady looked at me and said, well, when I heard about, Oh, I heard you on the news and heard you talking about what I've gone through. I knew that I mattered. Oh, man, I can't I'm trying to put myself in that mental space of talking to someone 14 years old who's been through something like that. You know, that might start that, that would encourage me to start an event like this. Like I can see how yeah. you can be so passionate about this year after year. Well, and with that kind of response too, of like knowing you know, not only are you helping get people out of that situation, but then showing them that people do care that they went through it. And so they have that chance to move on with their lives. You know, I I can see that being, you know, equally powerful in its own way. Yeah. But just imagine if there was a 14 year old across from us and we were talking to them and they were like, this is what I've been through. I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. So there's a, you know, I don't do this perfectly, but I do take seriously as as I am able, uh, loving my neighbor as myself, and and that's our attitude. And so, this fourteen year old girl is my neighbor; she's yeah. in need, and I can't fix everything. I'm not I'm not an investigator. I'm not a counselor. I'm not I'm not affluent, right? I'm I'm just a normal guy who knows how to ride my bike and and talks about the stuff I've learned. Yeah. So it's kind it's, you know that. Again, I, I know this isn't the focus of your podcast, but I feel like that's what, from my, our perspective of faith, 
you know, God takes those little small things we think are insignificant and he blows them up and does great things. And, and I think that's what's happened here. Well, we're just a podcast about biking that has yeah. <laughs> stumbled their way into solving or helping eliminating human trafficking. Yeah. And yeah. well, and you know, one of the things that we have talked about, and I know there's some other biking groups that talk about this too, is, you know, what's your why? And that's something we've kind of gotten into. And I, I think there can definitely be an aspect of, you know, if you're going to be out doing those ultra events, you need a reason of something that pushes you and why not be doing something that not only pushes you, but helps someone else. That's exactly right. You nailed it. Uh, again, we, we go back to that broken hearts and willing legs. That's our why our hearts are broken over this. We want your heart to be broken too. And <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm not kidding about that. Like, I, want, I want your heart to be wrenched over this, of the reality of boys and girls being trafficked, but also men and women in various forms. Like our organization even helped rescue a Polish man who was trapped in the U.S. being forced to, uh, being forced to do labor. Who, he came over trying to get a job to help feed his family. Now his family's destitute and he's been abused. So it's a people problem. It's not just a child problem. It definitely is a child problem, but it's a people problem. So going, going back to the event. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I take it. I take it deep because I just, I guess I just can't stand the fact that we know so much about it and the response has been so terrible. So maybe I just think that if enough people understand like how real this is and who it affects that we can actually end this together. So if I take it deep too much, sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> that, that was one of our motivations to talk to you is so that you could let people know about this. And I, I was expecting, you know, we do this ride, we dump money on this charity and that's it. And this, I, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's gone to a place of it's real. It's here. You're from Des Moines. I'm from Des Moines. This yeah. isn't a problem in, uh, a, a third world country, you know, although it is, it's also a problem here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not just there. It's, it's on our doorstep. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's here. It's here. It's the most vulnerable. So that's, that's the kick in the pants, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if listeners are wanting to get involved, yeah. how should they do that? It's so easy. Just go to break the cycle 200.com. Click on event details, pick the event you want to be a part of, uh, click the sign up button. Fill out a form takes about a minute and a half to two minutes and uh, pay your entry fee. And we will provide an amazing event that has real results. And for those of you who are not just in the Des Moines area, so there is the Des Moines to Okaboji. There's also Omaha, Minneapolis, Nashville, Chicago, Denver. And it sounds like you'll have more coming in the future. Yeah, we're also aiming uh, in the U.S. at Florida as well. And there's a potential Columbus, Ohio event. Uh, so we're always working. So there's people out there that say, oh, there's not one near me. Oh, well, we can start one. <laughs> Don't let that stop you. How many people typically show up for like the Iowa one, the, the original, if you will? Yeah, yeah. The, the classic, the classic. Uh, it depends on the year. It depends on the year. Right now, I think we're sitting at about 40 cyclists that have signed up. Uh, and that's about right. 50 is a good number. Uh, we've had as many as 75. Um, so it really is an amazing group that does this. And the reason why I'm saying that is you wouldn't expect the results we have just off of like 50 or so people doing it. 
Well, hopefully, hopefully you'll have, let's see, let's say a hundred, but <laughs> two for a hundred. If you've had 75 at most, maybe a hundred really. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do well, it. I know a lot of yeah. people listen to this podcast who do uh long gravel rides. So stick some road tires on there and get out there. Heck, take the gravel bike out. It can handle it. Well, I don't know. Well, send me, send me your, uh, your ideas and we can start some gravel events too. We don't have to just be road. That might actually work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like what? Okay. I'm a road guy. And so, okay. Next gravel guy. Who's the next me who's riding gravel. Who's the next me who's riding in mountain bikes. Right. We'll, we'll apply the model. Break the cycle. 200 no longer has to mean 200 miles. We want you to live life at 200%. You know, you turn the volume up to 11. Well, we, we want you to turn it up to 200, right? And so that can look like for some people, 25 miles on a road bike, or it could look like a 200 metric on a gravel bike. It could look like a 24-hour mountain bike race or ride, rather, yeah. right? The point is, we want people to do their tough thing. We want to empower others to do their tough thing for people in tough places. And we don't want to put a limit on just being the things that we've come up with. Hopefully somebody will hear that and go, you know what? I want to, I want to be part of that. Cause it sounds like it's a good cause. It certainly has uh, passionate people behind it. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Our, our whole thinking was, well, why not? Why yeah. not? Mm-hmm. Sure. Why not? Let's do it. Well, that's most of the thinking of the gravel community. It seems let's see if we can go a hundred miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, uh, I think you might get some people who would put on a gravel race just be, or a gravel ride just to see if they could do it in a day. You know, it's, if we're going to, yeah. why do it anyhow? Let's, let's, why do it for a cause? Yeah, absolutely. So, Rocky, I think that's about our time. Um, yep. Is there anything else you want to let people know out in uh, podcast land? Um, <clears throat> always get asked this question. <laughs> so, part is one. It, it is. So anything else, probably nothing new, but I do want you to do your tough thing for people in tough places, and especially regarding human trafficking. There are many causes we can get behind, and I think there are many noble causes to get behind, but there are very few that I believe we can actually bring resolution to. But I think this is one that warrants resolution, but we can actually, we can crush it. I think we can literally crush it. I think the model's been proven that we can. We just actually need more resource and more people to get engaged. Well, I think that is a great way to end this and a a good call to action. So thank you, Rocky, very much for talking with us today. It was really interesting getting to learn about this, and we hope that, you know, it goes great places in the future and we can see the results of it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, let me know if you ever want me back on. I can tell you plenty of stories. (laughs) Great. Thanks for coming on. Have a good night. You bet. Thanks a lot.